This episode is supported by Tonic.ai. Creating quality test data for data scientists is a complex, never-ending chore that eats into valuable technical resources. Random data doesn't do it, and production data is not safe or legal for data scientists or developers to use. What if you could mimic your entire production database to create a realistic dataset with zero sensitive data? Tonic AI does exactly that. With Tonic, you can generate fake data that looks, acts, and behaves like production because it's made from production. Tonic integrates seamlessly into your existing pipelines and allows you to shape and size your data to the scale, realism, and degree of privacy that you need. Your newly mimicked datasets are safe to share with developers, QA, data scientists, and even distributed teams around the world. Shorten development cycles, eliminate the need for cumbersome data pipeline work, and mathematically guarantee the privacy of your data with tonic.ai. This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more, work harder, experiment, build, break, and build again. Write code, improve it, job done, celebrate. Insurance, finance, retail, defense, robotics, energy, amethics. Welcome back to another episode of Data Sensitone Podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethics Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I'm speaking about the state of AI in 2022. These data come from the usual report that uh, is uh, produced by the Stanford Institute for uh, Human-Centered Artificial Intelligence, uh, HAI. They essentially put the AI index, which is a a very large report of uh, data and graphs and uh, statistics about what's going on in the field of AI and, of course, what we should be expecting in the coming years. Uh, Now, the links of the official report will be reported in the show notes of this episode, as always, at datasciencesatom.com. But, of course, you can also jump on the Discord channel, our official channel, where you can uh, speak with the folks of the Data Science Atom podcast and with myself. So in this episode, I would like to go through this um, summary of, uh, of the report. And uh, because I believe that it's quite important, there are some news that we probably did not expect, some other that we definitely uh, have seen in the last few years happening. So nothing uh, super novel there, but it's always good to, you know, make a state of the art of how things are and uh, um, kind of a point of where we are at and where we are going. So the very first thing that uh, I would like to discuss is uh, um, is about investment. So we have seen, uh, you know, if you look at the trend from 2013 to uh, 2021, uh, there has been a massive global corporate investment in AI. And, uh, you know, no big news here. We have seen this happening. We have heard many times, in, we have read it many times on the news. Um, but just to give you some numbers, uh, when it comes to 
uh, private investment, in fact, uh, there has been an explosion, literally, from uh, about $9 billion US dollars in uh, um, 2015. Uh, that number has grown to $15 billion, then 23, 35, 42, 46 in 2020, and a massive 93 in 2021. So almost double that. With a similar trend, very similar trend, we have seen also a merger and acquisition uh, in, uh, of course, billions of dollars uh, in the years. Very small number, 2015 and 2016, and then all of a sudden it started growing to 22 uh, billion of US dollars in 2017. Uh, 20 in uh, uh, 2019, and then again 21 in 2020, and 72 in 2021. So again, two big trends here, uh, a lot of private investment in the last year, and a lot of acquisitions and merged companies. Um, so the story here, probably, if you want to give an interpretation to these numbers, is that it's probably good to join a startup rather than making one. <laughs> That's at least what they conclude uh, out of these numbers. But um, probably it's not going to be a general uh, case. But um, it's a very good indication that you know we are uh, in front of a, I would say, rich get richer model in which these uh, established corporations uh, keep merging and keep acquiring uh, technologies from uh, small startups. We have seen that trend going already up from 2017, and it doesn't seem to stop anytime soon. At least that's what the numbers are telling us. The second point is about the uh, US versus China uh, cross-collaboration, cross-country collaborations in AI publications. Um, and there is a massive trend here that, sees, that, that, says, that tells a, a very clear story uh, that United States and China uh, are in fact contributing uh, to uh, AI publications. There is a never-growing increase in cross-country collaborations when it comes to these two countries. And the difference between you know, only the second one, like UK and China, uh, you know, it's just a different planet. Uh, we have number of AI publications in thousands. Uh, it's about, uh, well, more than 11,000 in 2020. Uh, and the second best, which is um, UK-China, uh, is only uh, 3,000 or a bit more. So, you know, different uh, different orders of magnitude uh, there. Uh, we have seen that. Honestly, I didn't expect that because we have heard a lot of, you know, geopolitical tension between US and China. And uh, I personally did not expect to see uh, those, you know, completely different stories in terms of collaborations in AI between these two countries. Um, so well, that's a good thing. In fact, you know, I, I like that. Uh, and I believe that good research comes also from a bit of competition, uh, sometimes, uh, also uh, together with collaboration, there's also, there's always that kind of sweet spot between competing and collaborating that uh, keeps things spicy and uh, definitely improves research globally. When it comes to patents, however, the story is pretty different because China has the, um, let's say, record of, uh, uh, of applying uh, to patents, um, but not the record of filing them. So uh, these patents, they, they apply much more than the United States, but these patents don't, don't get granted, essentially. Um, so there are two different curves uh, there. Uh, the application, which is, you know, China is basically dominating the rest of the world. 
But when it comes to granted patents, uh, they are even below European Union and United Kingdom. Um, and again, United States there tells a different story. They have several points up in percentage um, uh, when, it, when it comes to granted patents. Uh, and also when it comes to um, applied patents, they have a much smaller curve than China, much lower curve than China, uh, which tells us that uh, in the United States, there is uh, much more reasoning about applying to patents and um, much higher success rate, uh, which means that the papers, the research that gets produced by U.S. researchers uh, is more credible in a way. I mean, at least this is what I believe these numbers are telling me. Um, patents cost money. Uh, you also have to defend and, you know, from abuse. And that also costs money. So when you file for a patent, it means that you're really sure that, you know, something tangible behind that patent is there. Uh, there is a research that can be indeed um, uh, can have a, a massive impact on an application in a particular sector. Otherwise, you wouldn't be spending that much money for protecting that idea. Um, and this means that uh, in the United States, you know, this um, feeling about um, registering a patent and protecting it and of course selecting credible research is much more evolved, is much more sophisticated than the rest of the world. Now, when it comes to uh, technology, uh, we have seen two uh, big sectors when it comes to AI um, and two fields of research in particular, computer vision and uh, NLP. And in the years we have seen these two fields going kind of hand in hand uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, outcome of research and uh, uh, accuracy and also the power of, of these methods when, uh, whenever they are applied in, in the real world, right? Um, and when it comes to computer vision, we have seen uh, a big, big improvement um, in, for example, recognizing images, but also doing facial recognition, object classification. We know that uh, the, the current technology, which is a technology already three, four, probably five years old already, um, has kind of reached a, a plateau in terms of accuracy. Uh, like we are good at recognizing objects. We know that there are several limitations when it comes to, uh, for example, reasoning about the recognized objects. And there is a very classic example now about, uh, uh, you know, recognizing the, a scene in a picture um, and trying to understand what's going on from, you know, from another perspective, not just recognizing a ball or uh, or a person or a dog, right? We also want to understand what's going on in the scene, like what's happening and why, uh, for example, the dog is not jumping uh, or or whatever is is described by those by those uh, uh, images. Now that's where the problem uh, essentially comes out because uh, artificial intelligence and in particular deep learning technology, we have seen it many times. We have said it many times as well on this show. Uh, it's not sufficient for reasoning about uh, images. Um, and a very similar trend has happened in NLP, uh, natural language processing. Uh, we are good at, for example, um, recognizing or classifying the semantics of a paragraph um, or even summarizing a small text or you know, relatively long documents um, into paragraphs. But reasoning about uh, what's written, uh, it's a different story. 
uh, and we also are very familiar with the fact that uh, natural language processing and language models in particular are probably one of the most complex tasks that uh, NAI would be uh, asked to work on. Um, now, regardless of what they say with GPT-2, 3, whatever other uh, version out there, um, NLP hasn't been mastered as a field. And, uh, and this is exactly where all these limitations are uh, essentially shown, even in the report. Uh, reasoning is still a frontier of AI. Uh, we haven't solved that problem, and I'm pretty sure, <laughs> and I quote pretty, <laughs> that uh, uh, with the current technology and with current algorithms, we cannot solve that problem. Uh, I believe, personally believe, that there is a, I'm not saying a plateau on deep learning techniques, but definitely we need different methods uh, to, uh, you know, to think about and to solve the reasoning problem when it comes to images and, of course, when it comes to uh, natural language processing. The biggest change with respect to the past years has been um, showed in the ethics sector. Uh, so ethical AI and uh, as has essentially uh, monopolized the research in the last two, three years. Um, we have seen a, literally an explosion in education when it comes to number of papers. From 2018, we had something like 63 um, uh, papers related to ethical AI and ethics. Uh, and these numbers literally doubled in uh, 2019 to 139 papers, uh, then uh, 200 papers in 2020, and 227 in 2021. Now, the, this was kind of expected, and we have had several guests even on this show uh, when we spoke about uh, ethical AI and ethics in general when it comes to machine learning and algorithms, whenever they are applied to all these critical um, applications where uh, there is a lot of human involvement. Think about healthcare, pharmaceuticals, autonomous vehicles that you know have to decide to uh, to stop or kill the dog or the person in in extremely critical situations. Um, or think about defense and military. Uh, you know, whenever you uh, deploy artificial intelligence in all these critical sectors that have to do with humans. Um, well, then we should be thinking about uh, ethical algorithms. Uh, that's for sure. So we have seen this, um, you know, this happening. Um, one thing that, however, I didn't expect personally is that industry is following a very similar trend. And so that rarely happens, to be honest, that education and industry goes, uh, go hand in hand on, on certain matters. And we have seen that in 2018, from 2018 to 2021, there has been pretty much uh, a similar growth in terms of number of papers uh, for the ethical sector, uh, even in the industry. Um, so this, you know, this tells a good story because probably it's uh, already, you know, the idea of thinking about ethical algorithms uh, is also something that uh, you know people from industry are considering as a source of problems if we don't deal with these with these issues and uh, and so we better deal with these issues now because you know algorithms are more and more penetrating the you know the daily life of people and many other fields out there are uh, pretty much tainted by artificial intelligence so we better start thinking of uh, ethical AI uh, on a much more serious uh, level. Now, when it comes to the people involved in uh, AI, uh, the people who do AI, 
Uh, well, there's a different story, um, a pretty depressing one, I must say. Uh, only a couple of points, percentage points, when it comes to AI and women. From 2010, so 10 years ago, 12 years ago, uh, we had something like 16 probably 17% um, you know females uh, in uh, and and computer science PhDs that's the percentage represented in uh, North America and uh, in 2020 only a couple of percentage points that's really really depressing like only a couple of percentage points AI definitely needs women and uh, this is not happening so um, we better insist on this I, I I don't accept this I honestly don't accept this also because at the same time we have seen, again, in the same uh, demographics in North America, uh, we have seen a, an increase uh, in uh, number of computer science undergraduates and graduates at doctoral institutions. Uh, and that's been a massive increase. Uh, so, you know, if you cross, if you combine these two numbers and these two trends here, uh, you know, the story is pretty clear. Uh, even the new CEO, computer science undergraduates and graduates are mostly males. Uh, and that's also something that uh, it's hard to swallow. <laughs> I, I, I don't like that. I, I think I said that a number of times already. Uh, we need more women in AI. Uh, not only that, we also need different ethnic backgrounds to be represented in a more homogeneous way. Personally, I find it unacceptable to have almost 60% white non-Hispanic uh, PhDs and you uh, and uh, and CS uh, undergraduates in AI. Um, the Asian population is represented only for 25%, uh, but Hispanic and Black or African American are represented for a merely 3%, 3.5%. So that's also uh, unacceptable. And the reason why I'm saying that is because there might be bias in the data, as we have proved many times, but there's also bias in research. Um, and so if only a particular ethnic background is represented uh, or is representative of the community, of the AI community, I believe that, um, you know, their research directions will, be also, will also be biased. And that's also something that doesn't sound right to me. Now, last but not least, and this is also something that, um, you know, kept me, uh, kept me awake at night, uh, is climate change. We have claimed climate change to be the next big sector in which we should have seen or we would have liked to see AI in action, and that's not happening. Uh, now, of course, 2022 is not finished yet, but uh, the trend is uh, quite depressive as well. So if I gave... Uh, I, so I have a list of um, um, the topics where uh, AI-related papers and policy papers in particular are most represented. Um, and we have at the top of the list, of course, privacy, safety, and security. We have innovation and technology. We have ethics, as we have already said. And then we have all the others that go down and down, like industry and regulation, uh, workforce and label, education and skills, etc., etc. At the end of that list, uh, and again, I will send you the link of, this, uh, of, the, of these charts in the show notes of this episode. At the end of this list, we have social and behavioral sciences, health and biological sciences, uh, energy and environment, and humanities. So these are the last two in the list, energy and environment. So I definitely do not, did not want to see energy and environment uh, last, uh, one before the last in that list. 
Now, what again, what's my speculation is about, and it's because I don't have the correct breakdown or the detailed breakdown of these of these findings. I expect that um, some of innovation, some of the innovation that is related to energy and environment is probably grouped in the innovation and technology field, which is second in the list. Uh, but I'm not sure about that. That's why we need more detailed results. But no matter what, uh, we should definitely um, think about this. Um, energy and environment is probably one of the, it's probably the second most important topic that we should be covering together with healthcare and of course safety in general and where I believe that artificial intelligence can play a fundamental role when it comes to energy, renewable energy and of course the environment in general. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. Speak with you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.